You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the groupthink, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, still alive, still alive and kicking. Thursday afternoon, November 16th. Thank God it's a Friday. Well, no, not exactly. It's still Thursday. But I sure hope, I sure wish the week would be over with. Um, We're living through a degree of hell that is just beyond imaginable. Um, and, and I think, you know, this is why I really enjoy this platform to communicate with you guys more so than even my writing. Because rather than drilling down on one or a few issues, we kind of look broadly at what's going on. What is really going on in this body politic, this culture, broadly speaking about our security, our priorities in the world, our priorities at home, our sovereignty, our society, our system of government, our culture. And there's something really, really wrong here. You know, I, I, don't, I don't feel much better than, than last time. And, and I really appreciate all the notes you guys have sent me. I really have read, I believe all of them. Um, I can't always respond. I know I've responded to some. Depends if I get it while I'm on my phone. I, I can't stand typing on my phone. So sometimes I don't, I don't have time to respond or I forget. But I really, really appreciate it. It means a lot to me, your, your thoughts, your encouragement. Um, but, you know, I'm still at the point where I'm just questioning why I'm here. And I just think, you know, this is what I told my buddy Steve Dace. We were deliberating about this, what we want to do with our careers, why, why we're even doing this. And I said, the only thing I can think of is that things are moving so quickly. Each day is like a month. Each month is like a year in politics now. But politics is not just politics anymore. As you can see, it's probably the biggest subset of the culture so you know everyone says politics is downstream from culture but it really is part of culture one of the most prominent if not the most prominent element due to the 24 7 media cycle it influences everything it influences everything and because it's happening so quickly i just said you never know when god will give you that opportunity to make a difference so that's that's what's keeping me here when will we be able to make this clean break from the entire system? Everything is so broken. It's not a matter of elect this guy or this seat or this uh, this number of uh, state legislatures you control, this number of governorships. Until and unless we have an entire new movement that is able to be built not just on conservative policy issues, but we certainly want innovative ideas but systemic reforms and systemic brush, a breath of fresh hair, just culturally, the way our people behave and the guardrails that our people, our elected officials and prominent figures would act. You know, I woke up today with the intent of really delving into tax policy, and I'm going to use that a little bit 
to show why we will never succeed in the Republican Party, why we can never have nice things in this party, even when we might get something positive. Really, that piece of steak has a little string in the back of it where it gets yanked away from us. Why we will never succeed. We're wasting our time with this two-party system. This entire system we're in is so decrepit. But before I get to that, you know, early in the morning, so obviously the Al Franken news breaks. So now it's all about degrees of groping and this and that. You know, I was going to analyze the differences between the House and Senate uh, tax bills and what, you know, what the House just did today. Pretty big news that they passed the tax bill, for better or for worse. I think what the House version is terrible. But instead, it doesn't matter because the truth is it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. I told you guys before, you know, of all issues, I know many of you, you know, feel you pay too much in taxes. I agree. But tax is not even the issue of our time. It's, it's everything else. It's fundamentally this government doesn't work for us. I don't mean even as conservatives. I mean as Americans. It's all about illegal immigrants. And not about Americans. It's all about rebuilding Afghanistan and uh, and and Iraq. You know, it's funny. Um, we were talking about this whole all, all the groping stories and all the allegations and you know sexual assault and everything. I actually just saw there's a Daily Caller article. We'll link to in show notes. U.S. troops were taught for years that child sex abuse is culturally accepted in Afghanistan. I know if you guys remember, there was, a, I believe, a Green Beret that was almost convicted in military court for roughing up a, a pedophile, and you know, an Afghani pedophile. So um, we are so broken. We are so broken. And piggybacking off of what we talked about last week, when we said, look, you know, we're never going to, when, when it's clear that someone did something egregious, um, either they believe in something egregious or engaged in, in, in conduct that is just against our values, I will never support that person. I'm not going to do say just because the Democrats get away with everything, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to change what we do. But I warned, I warned you guys that I understand why so much of our base is falling into that. Because they see that there is no, A, A, they see that the world is falling apart, that the both parties are screwing America on every issue. But then also, conduct-wise, their people are garbage. There's no justice. They get away with the most egregious things. But if you agree with baby killing, and you agree with the homosexual agenda, and you agree with castrating our soldiers with taxpayer funds, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, and you agree with bringing in endless Islamic refugees and global warming and amnesty, then everything you do is okay. So they're like, screw it. If there's no standards, I won't have any standards either. I'm not blessing it. I'm just saying that's, that's what we gave over last week. One of the many, many, many facets we gave over in, this, in that very long podcast, hour and five minutes. So I, we have the news today, and it's not you know just an allegation or news where there was a just abhorrent picture of Al Franken, who, by the way, all this stuff was known about him. That's the thing. It's not just a retroactive thing. Everyone knew. It's funny when I was contrasting to people, Roy Moore, I was saying like, look, I hope it's not true. Like, it's hard to imagine, but you know, it, it, it's, it would be astounding. He's never exhibited anything. He's run for so many times and you know, you'd think they would have gotten him. But here, I mean, all this stuff was known, all of his public comments. There's public comments, them joking about raping women and you know, things like that. 
But, you know, to have his hands on a sleeping woman like that and to have done what he did, it's black and white. The picture's there. And this, so so bear with me. Again, right now with the Alabama thing, like I said, I stepped away from it until we clarify this because there's just too much weird stuff going on with evidence, exculpatory evidence. But here, it's not a matter of an allegation. You see it. It's there. There's nothing to investigate. There's nothing to judiciously comb through. It's completely there. Unbelievable. So, I I know you're going to laugh at me. I was naive. I thought the minute this came out, yeah, he's going to be forced to resign. Because given just the climate they created, given what's going on now, that there's just a witch hunt, a lot of it for good reason, against you know predators and 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 males that that sexually harass and the Roy Moore thing and then there's no way they can get away with this and anyway it's a blue state with a very anti-republican climate they're going to win the seat anyway just drop him overboard so you have your your uh you retain your ability to virtue signal and you're good to go but no not a single republican much less democrat called on him to resign. They said, let's refer this to the ethics committee. <laughs> There's nothing to investigate. It's not like you have a bunch of allegations and denials and evidence and, you know, you know, kind of what's going on in Alabama. So let's get this straight. And this is what I meant last week. I'm not trying to cover up if there's abhorrent behavior because if it's clear, count me out. But the point is, even after the first Washington Post article, when it was just one random shocking allegation that no one ever heard of, and to this day, that one never came out publicly or said anything, you know, it's all behind the Washington Post, no evidence from 38 years ago, immediately, immediately, in unanimity of opinion on the right, certainly on the left, resign, step down, done. Here you have a you have it. It's the mission, the picture. There's no denial. There's no doubt. What are you going to investigate? This is what people are so disgusted with. You can't win with these people. You just can't win because he's a member in good standing. And basically, Al Franken's press secretary put out a very nice statement, basically saying this. You know, because he's a progressive, he's doing so much good in the world. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Even the woman herself is, is kind of, you know, a media type of person, and she seems to somewhat have accepted the apology, although, you know, depending on what tone you take it in. So, again, I don't want to bash her, but I'm saying what's going to happen here is the political class will just take that, well, she apologized, so it's, it's, everything's good. Or, I mean, she accepted the apology. So this is just abhorrent. This is why it's not going to work. This is what I mean. You cannot win when you have Bob Menendez had a mistrial today. Not a single Republican or Democrat called on him to resign. By the way, DOJ investigated the not just the bribery, but as part of the bribery and corruption scandal, DOJ investigated the allegations that he had you know, engaged in prostitution with minors, and they found corroborating evidence, and they found disturbing evidence. I'm not quoting the right word, disturbing, disturbing. I don't know if they use the word evidence, but disturbing findings. But it wasn't enough that they decided to press criminal charges on that account. It was just on the, you know, the white collar stuff. Um, But that's pretty, I mean, no one even, not a single guy said, 
if this allegation is true, no, nothing. And he was indicted and nothing. And Lindsey Graham, while he was talking about Alabama and virtue signaling, you know, anyone who can't be accepted into a mall is banned from the mall, should go and never be in the Senate. Meanwhile, I'm on my way to be a character witness in the trial of Bob Menendez. That's how sick they are. And by the way, the guy who owned the Gadsden Mall said that he wasn't banned and he never heard or saw any of this behavior. Again, I'm not saying we have to take the allegations seriously. Got to invest. We got to get to the truth. But I'm saying they 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 vouch for people that there's beyond the shadow of a doubt. You know, something else came up in the, in the news this week. You're not going to hear anywhere else. You guys are familiar. There's a congressman named um, what's his name? Gosh, I'm forgetting here. Bill Schuster. Bill Schuster. I'm sorry. Um, because there's another garbage head named Simpson from Idaho. I mix him up, but Bill Schuster. Sleaze beyond belief. The movie caricature of a sleazy politician. District 8, Southwest Pennsylvania. Um, and and this kind of ties up my thesis from last week. So this guy was caught having an affair with an airline lobbyist, and he divorced his wife of two decades. And he is the chairman of the Transportation Infrastructure Committee. Tons of projects and staff have been passed back and forth between her lobbying shop and his office. So different staffers had a revolving door, went to work for her, um, and projects were steered there full of garbage. Nothing. No problem. No problem. And now he, he came back and said maybe some people were speculating he might, you know, kind of call it quits after so many years. No, even though this is my last term as TNI committee chairman, I'm looking forward to someday becoming armed services committee chairman and have oversight of the military. I ask you, virtue signalers, all these National Review thumb-sucking bastards. So I understand you don't like hicks, dirty little hicks that are shickening these times. Okay, I get it. But even when we recruit... Smart, articulate, respected, conservative voices with innovative ideas, with clean backgrounds, to go and run against the dirtbags like like Bill Schuster. I was the only one who endorsed Art Halverson. He was one of the guys who was in part inspired by some of my writings to run. Um, I endorsed that he ran two years in a row. He came very close, and by the way, he would have won if not for Trump being on the ballot, juicing up low-information turnout. And nobody endorsed him. Nobody ignored him, laughed at it. Laughed at it. All of them scoffed at him. Six kids, Coast Guard veteran of 30 years, successful businessman, just stand-up guy, burned to the ground with oppo hits and everything. You can't win in this party. And this is what they don't understand. You know, yes, I was the first person to endorse, endorse Roy Moore. I was also the first person to endorse Art Halverson and the first person to endorse Milton Wolf and the first person to endorse Brian Smith and the first person to endorse um, Matt Bevin and many, many other people. Because I'm always looking to, 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 for, for innovative ideas and to make a difference. But it doesn't work. Unless 
the only way you could actually win in the Republican Party is if you, and I can't find anyone who's joining me in this, is if you switch from primaries to representative conventions, which is how it was before the Teddy Roosevelt era of progressivism, and the activists would come in there so you have an equalizer between the money doesn't matter, the special interest cartel money doesn't matter because people know who you are. They're not going to be fooled by stupid ads. And this is what happens every time. How do you ask in this climate when everyone knows that if you did anything in your life, even something is not serious, I'm not talking about the seriousness of these allegations in Alabama if they're true. I'm talking about, you know, nothing burgers. You're burned to the ground, but these guys get away with anything and the media doesn't bat an eyelash. What incentive does Mr. Smith, your innovative guy that doesn't take cartel money, he truly is a man of the people, he's a real person, not a plasticated politician, what incentive do they have to run for office? They do not have any. Certainly not within the current two-party system. They just don't. Because here's what happens. The minute you run, two things happen. As far as the issues are concerned, they run ads saying running on our issues. So they have they get all the cartel money precisely because they're going to do the opposite in Washington, but they take the money, put out ads on our views, and then run ads saying our guys are the liberals. So they neutralize the policy issues, take the ideology off the table. Fine. Done. Then from there, they have us on a spinning hamster wheel, endless oppo hits after endless oppo hits, lies, just politics of personal destruction against Every single person we have, even if it's not true, even if they didn't do anything wrong. And the media runs with it. So we want to sit and talk about our philosophy of government, what we want to do on national security, fiscal, social, systemic government reforms, nothing. And they don't want to have any, you know, who wants to talk about that when you have all these sexy topics to talk about? Ooh, you lied on your resume. You were a tax cheat. You 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 can't do this. You can't. And that, that's the fun. It's, it's kind of emblematic of our culture now. I wanted to sit and talk about the issues today, and here it's just like he groped him, and he groped her, and you know it's just this is what's happened. But you can't get off the ground. You can't win. They will not let our guys win. How do you? This is not just a double standard like oh twenty years ago. You have the Al Franken thing today and not a single senator calls on him to resign when it's black and white. I told you I would never convict a person, even the court of public opinion, publicly say things when, um, you know, there's no there's no clear evidence yet. Even with a guy who's kind of sleazy. (laughs) But certainly if he is sleazy and there's black and white evidence, it is what it is. I'm just so sickened by this. So sickened by it. But anyway, let me segue into what I wanted to talk about. So I think, like I said, if you would be able to turn to transform primaries into representative conventions, I think we might have a shot at getting enough good people elected to the party. But then we have another problem. See, it doesn't solve the real problem. It doesn't solve the real problem. Because the real problem is the Republican brand is so tainted. Both parties are so tainted 
that unless we start a new brand and a new movement and a new party built upon different philosophy, not just trying to wiggle your way out of the current just contaminated, you know, in other words, if you have a rodent-infested, nuclear-chemically contaminated home, you can't fix it. You can't take it over. you got to build something clean and new. That's just the reality. It's so tainted. What we're dealing with, you need a party with political capital and the, you know, consistency and moral clarity to completely take a hatchet to everything that's going on here. You know, you, you want to know how broken things are? Let me tell you how broken things are. So I, I wrote about this. I'll link to it in show notes. I was talking, you know, one of my many conversations with my good friend, Steve Days, and we were just lamenting together, just talking about how, just how this is so broken on a just biblical proportion. And, uh, you know, I was telling him, look, one of the best anecdotes to illustrate this is the military. The military was the most respected institution, and every single one of its leaders are rotten to the core. And as I was talking to him about it, all of a sudden, an NBC headline flashes across my screen. This was this was late at night, maybe 9 o'clock at night, um, Tuesday night, I believe. Pentagon pays for sex change surgery for transgendered infantry soldier and it, it was something about the raw pent-up nerves that i just had all week i just lost it as i was talking to steve i just just descended into a laughing fit and tears were streaming down my eyes i was just laughing and crying at the same time and then we had to end the conversation i just couldn't talk i mean i just lost it and it, it's part of the problem is because of the saturation news cycle, we're all numbed. We don't sit back and think. We think it's normal. Step back and look what's happening in our military. We are literally taking people, amputating their you-know-what, and putting them in the military and paying for it. Think about this. Why do we even have a military? Do you know why our military exists now? Here's what it exists for. And you could read it all in the article when I talk about the defense bill and everything. Here's what it exists for. We take troops so we could go and cut their balls off. We put women in, in, in combat, get them pregnant, and then have therapeutic abortions. In, in, in the words of the new nominee, Trump's nominee for the Undersecretary of Health Affairs at DOD, Dean Winslow. Then we send them overseas to fight on behalf and for the Shia militias run by the IRGC and have our guys blown up by IEDs while they're fighting for Iranian hegemony or Islamists in Kabul that are simultaneously negotiating with the Taliban because the Taliban are not the Taliban. They're just a reflection of the husbands and fathers and brothers of those people. It is what it is. And then when their limbs get blown off, amputated, or, or they have to amputate it, not electively, they have to wait in line at the VA 
for prosthetics. And yet we're paying for surgeries of elective castration. Folks, you explain to me why we need a reduction of a 1% tax rate. This is so much bigger what's happening in our country. So, so much different. It's so much bigger than anything we could imagine. And no one's talking about it. And while this is going on, they passed the defense bill that could have addressed this. Not a peep. You know what the one point of contention? One point of contention. Oh, and by the way, I skipped one step. With the purpose of our military, social engineering, cut people's balls off, get them blown up on behalf of fighting for Iranians and get blown up by the Iranians and then bring in more Afghani refugees. They're bringing in another 3,500 in the defense bill. I forgot to mention that. So the one point, so no circumspection about what are we doing, an operational audit of where do we have troops, why, what's the purpose, what are our alliances, what's our overall strategic goals, what are our interests. No, God forbid, should we have a bipartisan effort? It's not even, and that's the thing, this is not even ideological. And this is what I'm saying, why you need a new party, a new system. I think, I think you have sane people in a new platform. You start out with the right values, the right rules, the right principles. I think we can get stuff done on that front, but nothing, no. No questions of, are we still, um, you know, like funding the Baghdad government and the uh, IRGC-backed militias to behead the Peshmerga? Are we still uh, giving money to the Afghani military after the special inspector general had a devastating report on how corrupt and ineffective and how it's worse than ever? No, 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 no. Any question about women in combat? To the extent it is, no, 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 no. The pregnancy mill in the Navy, no, 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 no. The balls cutting in the military, no, 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 no. They were concerned. The only point of contention was there was one provision on the Senate version that allowed the Pentagon to go ahead and approve of non-FDA-approved medicines for emergency battlefield medicine. I don't know that issue so well. I didn't have time to look into it. But that they had health and safety concerns but no such health and safety concerns about castrating and mutilating a human. But I mean, think about it. If you cut someone's arm off just because, I mean, it, you know, that's kind of outrageous, right? This is worse because this systemically destroys the whole system worse. And then all, certainly all the ancillary follow-up mutilation stuff they do to the person. They won't live long. But then, then there's the person, but then there's the danger to the entire military, the suicide rates. The instability of it, the mental disorder, having them around munitions and in co- unit cohesion. I mean, what are you doing? And there's not a single conservative who speaks up. You want to know how broken we are? Here's how broken we are. So the military, in addition to this, came out with an edict. And again, notice the military. So you know, Congress has no control anymore. The military is self-propels itself, the military leadership. Um, they come out and say, we're no longer um, having a bar on an enrollment of, you know, recruitment of those that are self, engage in self-harm, masochism, drug use, mental disorders, and a number of other things. No one bats an eyelash. But there's actually one man who spoke up, John McCain. Guess what? Guess what? Maybe you'll think, hey, John McCain's pretty good, right? 
John McCain's the same man who adamantly is fighting Trump on ensuring that we have castration in the military. So the one guy that found was kind of appalled by people who cut themselves or whatever being in the military. But if you cut your balls off, that's okay. I have no words. Comfort me. Console me. Tweet me at Arm Conservative. Email me. Make some sense of this. I've, I, can't, I cannot make sense of this without a theological belief in the end of times. I, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's not, it's not that I don't get that you could have evil that degree. It's that nobody cares in the political class. Nobody. Even the supposed conservatives. That's how systemically broken we are. And now let me get to my final thesis here, my final point to wrap this up while also giving you an update on the tax bill. Alrighty, so obviously, as you guys heard today, or probably didn't hear because we're all talking about um, groping all the time, the House passed this bill. The House passed their version of the tax bill. As you know, a couple weeks ago, couple really last week, I guess, I had the podcast, Why This Is Suicide. It's a horrible bill, terrible bill, um, because it just, on net, it raises taxes on a lot of people. Takes on a lot of liabilities. It it you know gets rid of a lot of deductions, which some are good, some are bad. But the point is, it it is so volatile, and then you don't even cut taxes from it because the individual side is essentially revenue neutral. So their whole purpose is say, well, you know, we get to conference and we fix it. Can I ask you what sort of strategy is to say I'm gonna I'm gonna pass a bill that raises taxes on people? But then we'll make it better in conference. You pass a bill you could stand behind. I understand if it's, let's say it's fundamentally a tax cut. It's a good tax cut bill. Maybe there's one or two provisions, the adoption tax credit or whatever you'll fix. I understand you say you're not going to vote against it or withhold it. But why don't they just fix it and make it like the Senate bill, which is much better? Again, this is just the malpractice that I'll get to in a minute. Senate bill. Okay, here's the problem. The title of my column today is Senate tax bill is much better, but watch for the trap. So basically, the bill in itself, they fixed the problems. They did what we asked to do, but this is the problem. Even if we asked them to do something and the rare occurrence, on the rare occasion, that they feel trapped, that they have to give in to us, it's just temporary and it's not worth the price. So... What what they basically did is, whereas the House version was essentially revenue neutral, so raise $3 trillion in, in taxes and then cut $3 trillion in taxes. So it's just a wash, and some people get a tax increase. Even the tax cuts were very mild. Here, this really, and I have a chart in this post, um, thanks to our buddy Mark Gorman, who is my uh, our at CRCRTV, our graphic editor, um, put together a really pretty chart, a really just nice-looking chart comparing current rates, the House version, the Senate version. Across the board, it really does lower the rates nicely, and the child tax credit goes from 1000 to 2000 So especially for families, this is going to be a significant tax cut. Um, again, is it the restructuring that you and I would like? No. You know, obviously, but look, this is the best thing they'll ever do. I'll, I'll take it in a vacuum. I'll definitely take it. And then they repeal the individual mandate, and this is 
how they went ahead and got the extra $300 billion in revenue as the first part of it to make more of a significant tax cut. Then in addition to that, they made, and you know, again, you could look at the article, I don't have enough time, we're running out of time to go into details, but basically because they make the tax cuts uh, temporary, which because they're so oriented now towards the middle class, I politically, I'm not worried they're going to have to continue them. It's just a revenue stick, uh, you know, just for the, the bird rules and the Senate filibuster, yada, yada. So anyway, it's going to come out that really they, they save a lot of revenue within the 10-year window to use for a significant tax cut. Fine. Okay. So this is good. I, you know, again, I don't believe taxes is the major issue. I believe it's healthcare, culture, military, foreign policy, immigration, you name it. By the way, there's a lot of stuff in immigration going on. America last. Trump's new DHS nominee is horrible. But anyway, all right, you give me a tax cut. Look, <laughs> we get a tax cut out of this Congress. I'll take it. Here's the problem. There's actually two problems. And the problems cut to the core of what we're talking about with what we started the show with. Although first, by the way, just one thing here. You know, before some of you send me notes, Daniel, this thing stinks. You know, I don't even like the Senate bill. Look, I'm trying to be charitable here. I'm trying to say, and I'm doing this on purpose. I'm trying to put you in the in the shoes of a conservative member. You know, here's what happens. They give you a piece of garbage and then they say, what's it going to take to get you to yes? So you say, well, look, you know, the tax cuts horrible. We need to be, you know, fixing health care anyway, which is a bigger issue. So repeal the individual mandate, use the revenue to get a better tax cut. And then they did some other stick. They got more revenue. So, hey, you got it. We got, you know, you got what you wanted. Now, again, there are problems with it, like I said, because simultaneous with sunsetting the provisions in 2025, the other problem here is the chain CPI. The fact that they don't adjust the tax brackets, the bracket creep quickly enough to keep up with the previous measure of inflation, the traditional measure of inflation. So the truth be told, right now it would be a significant tax cut. And, and, you know, but 10 to 15 years from now, if it's not fixed, even under current rates, it would actually wind up eventually being a tax increase. Eventually it's going to overtake the rates. And then the fact that you're getting rid of deductions, you know, which are permanent and, you know, categorical, it's going to wind up being a net loss if you don't further lower rates down the road. And if anything, they're sunsetting it. Although politically, again, I think, except for the real wealthy, it, it's they, they would have to extend it. But look, I'm trying to be charitable here and say, look, okay, it's a tax cut. The House bill isn't, but this one is. So we'll vote for it. The problem is they screw us. The betrayal. It's the betrayal and it's messaging. It's two different reasons why we can't have nice things. Why if you're a conservative member and you're like, look, I'm going to work with them. I'm going to oppose some things, but then I'm going to try to work with them, get them to my position. You can't get them to your position. Here's the problem. The only benefit, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week if we have a chance to get more into healthcare. The only benefit of repealing the individual mandate. So really, all things equal, I said this ad nauseum throughout the year. If you keep the insurance regulations and the subsidies that distort the market and allow the cartel to keep raising the prices without backlash from most of the population that gets subsidies, so then... If you repeal the individual mandate and everyone flees, the rates will actually go up. And CBO, of course, is saying this. Now, that statement is true, but then there's a second level. But then once so many people flee, it serves an 
as a check and balance on the system. So they're going to have to either innovate, lobby to get rid of the regs, or they're going to have to collapse. And, and I'm fine with that. So I'm not trying to save the healthcare, the health insurance cartel system. I'm trying to burn it down and get to alternatives. Right now we're locked in. They have us around the neck because you have to buy it. The minute you don't have to buy it, $2,100 premiums, people are gone. Anyone above the subsidy line is gone. Um, they are not going to purchase it. And that's, that's going to open up alternative models, competing models. And I think that's a very good thing. They don't mean this to happen, but this is what would happen. Here's the problem. That only works provided that you don't bail out the cartel. Because then you're not burning it down. You're keeping the Ponzi scheme running, allowing them to continue to hose us and not face the organic market backlash. It's like coming in day ex machina and saving them like government always does. So like I said, we're never going to pass anything good. The only thing we could do is not get worse, not pass bad things. The number one priority is to not bail out the cartel. That is the worst thing we can do. So my fear is they're not putting it in the tax bill along with the repeal of individual mandate, but there clearly is a parallel agreement that in the omnibus or one of the December cliff type of issues that they're going to cram in before Christmas break that they're going to attach it to that. And my fear is this. Conservatives only hold the line that much in in Washington, the Freedom Caucus, whatever. My fear is that it's already hard to get them to hold the line when they've done nothing for us. But here, if they pass a tax bill, oh my gosh, Daniel, this is the best tax reform since 1986. And and our expectations are so low that here they finally did one good thing out of 50, 100 issues. They're going to collapse. And therefore, they're going to pass the omnibus and pass the debt ceiling increase pass the insurance bailout, and pass amnesty. That is a very big concern. From what I'm hearing, they have every reason to attach that to one of the so-called must-pass bills in December. And think of the timeline. You know, they come back first week after after, uh, Thanksgiving, Senate passes passes the bill, they go to conference. Right then is when they're going to have the other bills. So that's my point. We can't even trust them. And that's what's so hard. It's like, like I said, this tax bill is kind of like the peanut butter on the mousetrap for us. I want to be fair here. I think the Senate bill is a legitimate tax cut. But dude, it's not worth it for all those other things. Because spending, healthcare, and immigration are so much much more of a bigger deal, especially relative to what this tax bill does in in the long run. It's not earth-shattering. It's not amazing. It's, 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 you know, it's passable. So that's the thing. We, this is why we can't have nice things. You can't work with a party that doesn't believe in what you believe in. To the extent, again, and, and even this, like I said, it's just because they were forced into a revenue box. Because they literally were stuck. They committed themselves to doing taxes, but then they're raising taxes because they don't have enough revenue because they won't cut spending. So the only reason they agreed to repeal the individual mandate is because it scored $318 billion in extra revenue. So they got to, you know, they needed it. Otherwise, they would have never done that. But then there's a second reason. Even the tax bill. Let's say we get what we want. It's unpopular as mud because they already preemptively sabotaged our messaging. You can't, A, you can't funnel conservative values through a party 
that doesn't believe in them because they'll sabotage, they'll, they, they won't really enact it or they'll do 50 other bad things that they'll make you pay for or they'll sabotage the messaging. Think about it. For the last couple weeks, really even a couple months, what have they been saying? We need to pass a tax bill, tax reform, tax reform. And then you had all these um, headlines. They might take your 401k. They might raise this, take away this deduction. It was all about taking away, raising, raising. So the average people think it's a tax increase. So finally, here's the problem. They start off with a horrible bill. We have to yelp about it. So even in the one in 50 cases, they finally listen to us. It's like I chew up a piece of steak and spit it out on my plate. Like, hey, go have it now. Well, gee, it's pulling at 20% because everyone thinks it's a tax increase. So now, it, 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 interestingly enough, it happens to be a really, I mean, you know, I'm telling you, you know, families earning under $100,000, you, you have three kids or so, that's an extra $3,000 in your pocket just from the uh, child tax credit alone. Um, the rates do come down significantly. They should say you will get thousands, thousands more in your pocket. Think about it, Trump, uh, not uh, Obama, Bush, any Clinton, any other president, they would go around and sell it, make the case, build the case, and build the case that a corporate tax cut is not just a bunch of wealthy, uh, opulent-looking buildings. It's, it's jobs, wages, and cheaper goods and services. But when you don't make the case, and instead you make the opposite case, it's unpopular. So then hey, it's not even worth it now. That, that, that's the problem. The GOP is to conservatives what the Israeli Air Force was to Egypt in the 67 war and six-day war. They preemptively carpet bomb our messaging before we get off the ground. And this is why we need a clean break. We need a party and a movement that's built on term limits, that's built on localism, that's built on certain, I don't know how you do this, but maybe certain party rules pledging of certain um, standards of conduct that if certain things happen, you're out. So we have a uniform standard. No special interest money. Again, I'm not saying legally. Illegally, I think, you know, I, I don't believe in banning it, but I'm saying as a party rule, you, you pledge this is what we're going to do. And then you have that moral clarity to take your constitutional case to the people about the issues. And also, I really do want to talk about federalism and localism more because I really do think that's the solution. Part of the problem, to tie this all back into all the misconduct, part of the problem is that we're such a polarized country, everyone's at their throats, and everything is so wrapped up in the party system that it's too important. So I got I to gotta rally around my guy no matter what. I can't lose a seat. I can't lose a seat. Because everything, all my all 100 issues are wrapped up in, the, in, 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 in Washington. But if you took care of 90 of the 100 issues on a local level and you sorted that out through self-sorting, and anyway, there's, you know, you see what I'm saying? I'm not just saying from a policy perspective, government would work much better on a local level. I'm saying just from a political standpoint, you, you wouldn't have so much acrimony because, you know, there's a lot more understanding of, of the issues on a local level. And if people don't like it, eventually you're going to have self-sorting. You even have that a little bit now, but you don't have the control locally. And then when we get to things like ethics and North Korea and what are we doing overseas, that things that shouldn't be political, MS-13 and the drug gangs and... 
it shouldn't be political, but they, they become political because it's wrapped up in the entire ideological log rolling of the entire train that you know I have to jump on the whole train because of the other issues. I, I think there's more to work with then. But it ain't gonna be in the current paradigm. Anyway, so much more to talk about. Lots of thoughts swirling in my mind. Keep the comments coming. Are at RM Conservative, D Horowitz at CRTV. It's conservative review TV, CRTV.com. Let me know your thoughts. Thanks so much for listening. God bless. Speak to y'all next week. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,